Oh, man. Is that not awesome? I have watched that. When they first showed that to me, I have watched that thing probably 15 times since, and I love it every single time. How many of you guys have done that with Domino's? Oh, come on. Oh, man. My, we've all done that. Kids do that. You put this whole thing together. I have never done anything like that. That is just absolutely beautiful. And here's what we want to talk about. Here's why we showed you this video. Lad kind of already set us up. But the truth is, and we forget this, that every moment in our life, you're a domino. You're a domino. You are impacting, touching other lives. You're being touched by other people's lives. Every encounter has a domino effect. And when I watch that, here's what's crazy, is most of us don't, we forget that. And so then we don't realize, and actually we'll never know until it's all said and done, how your one single act of kindness and of love to another person had an effect and moved on and what God used in that and how he touched other people. Can I, this is kind of crazy, but as I was watching it just this morning, a new thought hit me. At the end, when they're, they're all sprayed, and then they move the camera up, and everybody's up there, woo! Right? I sat there this morning, and I thought, that's what heaven's going to be like. Seriously, God, right now, today, is doing dominoes. And we're in the middle of a domino. You're going to have some dominoes today, and you have no idea the plan he's doing for the big time eternal effect of the world. And when it's all said and done and the sp- uh, paint is sprayed, I'm like, that is not the right word. It paint is sprayed and, this, and, the, and the, this life is over. It's like the heavens are going to go, yes. And we're all going to go, man, that was awesome. I had no idea, had no idea that one little domino eventually was going to move a whole car that was going to smash a piano. Awesome. <laughs> you have no idea. Man, I tell you what, how many of you have seen Batman? Okay? Okay, not very many of you. It's kind of weird, isn't it? I've seen it. I've seen the movie. And after what happened in Aurora, it was just kind of this very funky, weird experience to know what took place in that theater. That was a domino, man. Huge domino. It's going to affect people for the rest of their lives. And we'll never know the ripple effects of that. And what was crazy is, so I go to this movie, and I get done watching the movie, and I'm like, awesome! I just want to go save the world! And seriously, that's what I felt like. I came out, there were tears in my eyes, and I got done watching the movie, and I go, I want to save the world! Because the movie Batman is the epitome of this right here. How one person's domino leads a person towards evil, and another person's domino leads a person to want to save a whole city and to give up their life doing so. You guys, this is real stuff. What do you want to do? Do you want to help save the world? Or do you want to help destroy it? And here's a crazy statement, man. Today's message isn't like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about this before. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says this. This command I'm giving you today, and this is what I'm going to give you guys today, it's not too difficult for you to understand, okay? This is not like, whoa, didn't know I was supposed to love people. And it's not beyond Listen to this. It's not beyond your reach. Okay? He goes on to say this. It's not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we can hear it and obey? No, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips. It's in your heart so that you can obey this. 
And here's what he says. Now listen today. I am giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day, love the Lord your God and keep his commandments, his decrees, and his regulations by walking in his ways. This isn't too difficult to understand, you guys. This is no mystery. Here's the deal. It's on your lips. It's in your heart. Every single one of us can obey this today. Love him. <laughs> Love God. And by doing his ways. And what are the ways of God? Love. Love people. And here's what's crazy. So I'm studying this message and, and I went to, yes, Batman inspired me. I was emotionally moved. I'm like, oh, I want to be like that. But I want to tell you, man, when I read Ruth last year, the same thing happened to me. And that's what we're going to do. How many of you read the book of Ruth? Anybody? Okay. Old Testament, short little book. We read it because it's only four chapters. And uh, <laughs> so, but in this book of Ruth, I was so inspired. There's so much love in this book. And I just, so I want to share the story with you to show you, isn't it crazy? We're going to sit here in a room today, 2,500 years later and talk about this poor widowed foreign woman. Okay. How many of you think we're going to be talking about you 2,500 years from now? Why in the world is this story in the Bible? And here's my phrase for you today, you guys. Love puts life into motion. Love, it really does. It puts life into motion. Now, when you talk about love in the Bible, it's not this human love that we give each other, right? Like, if you're this, then I'll, then I'll love you. And as long as you don't do this, I won't pull away my love from you. All of our human relationships got this goofy love in here, okay? We love, but it's all conditioned. The love that the Bible talks about is a love that says, I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. It's not about me. I just have this love, and I'm going to give it to you. It's, it's, it's non-exclusive. It's unconditional. And that type of love, man, when you receive that type of love, what happens? Man, you get life. And I'm not talking about, you, you know, we're all living. Very few people have life. See, when the Bible talks about life, it talks about the very existence of God. Jesus said, I am the life. You want to see what it means to be human, Jesus says? <laughs> Look at me. Watch me. Watch me care. Watch me serve. Watch me pour my life out. That's life. And if you love, you will, you will put life into motion. And this ridiculous crap that's happening all around us. Here's what's crazy. We forget. You forget. I forget. That when I'm at the gas station or when I'm at the restaurant or whether I'm biking with my friends or whether I'm here at K2 the church. When you walk into your workplace, when you go home to your spouse and your kids, you and I forget that when we love, we put life into motion. And as we just saw, horrible stuff can happen too. Okay, guys, shut up. And get going. Let's pray. Let's just ask God to come and do something that changes our hearts. God, please come. God, we're here because we do. And we're here because we love you. We're here because we're amazed at your love. 
And yet at the same time, God, we want to be loving. We want to be people who impact the world. And yet the truth is we can still get so caught up in our own stuff and in our own concerns and our own lives that we just don't even see the people around us. Would you change that today? I'm asking God, do a miracle today. A real miracle. And change our hearts. Help us to put life in the motion in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. So what's crazy, this book of Ruth starts off and it says, in the time of the judges. Now, I don't know if you've read the book of Judges, but it is a scary book. <laughs> I, I, I read it and I just go, oh, God, help me. Because what happens in Judges is people are like, oh, God, you're wonderful. We love you. And God blesses them. And then eventually they're like, hey, God, that was great. You know, appreciate that. <laughs> and then eventually they just wander farther and farther away from God. And then they do things that are so evil and so wicked that their lives fall apart. So then what do they do? God, help, God, help. And God goes, dude, I love you so much. Boom, comes in, he rescues them, right? Now they're all like, hey, God, oh, God. Hey, you know, thanks for what you did. Appreciate that. And then they go off and they do their own stuff again. And their life falls apart and they cry out to God. It happens over, that's all the book of Judges is. It's a circle. Remember when I was in seminary, the guy just said, it's just a circle. But the problem with the circle is it gets deeper and darker every time to the point where it is scary. And in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, it says this. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. I want to tell you, man, there is nothing that scares me more than that phrase right there. Because when people do whatever is right in their own eyes... They won't care about how it affects the people around you. It's going to be very interesting to find out, if we will, the motivation for why this guy did what he did in Aurora. But there are people who literally think they're doing the right thing because it's right in their own eyes. And it ends up destroying people around them. You know why marriage... Let's talk about marriage, right? Let's talk, you want your marriage to be really, really struggle? You want your marriage to struggle? Hey, do what's right in your eyes. <laughs> right? Instead of what's right in the other person's eyes. And I want to tell you, here's why it's so scary to me. Is that not America? That is the highest value in America right now. Hey, everybody, you just do whatever's right in your own eyes. And if you follow that to the nth degree, with no central focus to put your life around, it's going to get really scary. So the book starts off and says, here's Ruth in the middle of the time of the judges. It's a very dark, very weird, very painful time. And here's what's going on in this story. Man, there's a brag. I got to see up there. It's time. Oh, man, I'm cranking. I'm good. So here we go. There's a woman called Naomi. There's three people in the story, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Okay? And what happens is Elimelech is her husband. And there's a famine in Israel, so he decides to take his wife, Naomi, and his two boys, um, Malam and Killian, to Moab. Now, not our Moab down here, right? But another Moab. So, and then this Moab, this Moab was a country that was completely detestable, actually, to God. And the reason was they had this God called Kamosh, and he was just wicked. This God that they worshipped was the God where they would offer their children as sacrifices to him. It was just where there was just pure adultery, you know, orgies happening all over to please this God. And so they leave Israel, and they head over to Moab. And after they get to Moab, Elimelech dies, and then his two sons marry Moabite women. Now, if you know anything about what God has said up to this point, he's, what is the one thing he said? 
don't marry foreign women. You're like, I, I, you know, Christian, he would have been, you know, in trouble. He'd be married to a French woman. But no, what God was saying was this. Don't marry foreign women because they worship a God. And what his whole point was, they will turn your hearts away from me. And they will bend you and you'll start following other gods. Well, Elimelech's sons marry these two women. And one of the women's name is Orpah. So close to Oprah. I bet she'd be more popular if she wasn't Orpah. But her name's Orpah and Ruth. So there's Orpah and Ruth. And then what happens is Naomi's two sons die. And here's the story. Naomi finds herself completely unknown. No husband, no sons. Now I know for us in, this, in, in, this, in our country, every culture has its way that you have prestige and honor. Okay? In, this, in that society during that time, it had nothing to do with money. It had nothing to do with education. It had nothing, we know what it had to do with. You were only okay if you had family. <laughs> Widows during that time, you guys, were the most socially, economically vulnerable members of society. That's why you'll see God all the time in scripture say what? Take care of the widow. Because as you lose your husband, if you lose your sons, you know have no one to take care of you. And so here's Naomi. So socially, she's an outcast. Economically, she's an outcast. Psychologically, she's totally struggling. She's feeling like a zero, okay? And here's what she says. She decides to go back to Israel. And in verse 8, she says, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. And may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Here's the first sign of love that puts life into motion in this story. I don't know about you. Think about this. If you were Naomi and you just lost your husband and your two sons, and all you've got is these two girls who are part of your family, what would you be saying? Stay with me. Wouldn't you? How many of you would say, stay with me? I don't want to be alone. I need you right now, right? I mean, that would be the normal human response. And instead, Naomi says, no, listen, this isn't good. I want you to experience life. Go. It's an unbelievable sign of love. She was thinking nothing about herself. She was only thinking about Orpah and Ruth. And here's what's crazy. So the girls go, no, man, we're not leaving you which is awesome, because now they're like, wow, they must have had something going on, right? Because most people go, mother-in-law, see ya, right, bye, it's been great, you know. <laughs> they're like, no, man, this is, we're not leaving you. And so, so Naomi goes back and says, no, really, please. Her last phrase is this. She goes, my daughters, it is better for me than for you because the Lord's hand is turned against me. Not only am I nothing, God isn't even for me anymore. He's turned against me. So finally, Orpah goes, okay, man, I love you, Naomi. See you. And now we come to Ruth. And in verse 16, here's Ruth's reply. Do, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Amazing phrase, isn't it? Many of us have heard that phrase. If you're here at K2, you know that phrase. You know why? Because we sing it. <laughs> you sang it today, didn't you? Yeah. See, we sing that. I do weddings, and lots of times there are vows that actually have that in the vows. People look them face to face and make a vow. Where you go, I'll go. 
Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. You guys, now think about this for a second. So here's Ruth, right? And she is a widow as well. She's also a foreigner. She's a part of a hated race, the Moabites. She's, she's a woman on top of that, everything. So basically what, what Ruth is saying in this moment is Naomi's saying, hey, listen, Ruth, you know, I know life has not gone as we planned. Be free. Go be with your mom. Go get a husband. Go get a life. And Ruth says, Mary, no way I'm doing that. I want a worse life. Think about it. I want a worse life. I, I want to go to a country where people hate me. I want to go to a country where people don't care about widows. I want to go to a country where I'm a hated foreigner. In fact, as you'll find later, if you read the book, you'll find out that there was actually fear for her life because in this weird culture where people do whatever they want to do, there was abuse towards foreign women. There was rape towards foreign women. See, because that's what happens. Sexual abuse happens from what? When what I want is more important than who you are. And that was the culture during that time. And here's Ruth saying, I'm in, sign me up. Are you guys, are you kidding me? Now, is that love? See, that is love that puts life into motion. It's not about me. Here's Naomi going, not about me. Here's Ruth going, not about me. And you know what? I I was listening to a guy this week and he goes, you know why Ruth decided not to live for herself? Why did she have this amazing love? And this guy said, it's because she was a recipient of amazing love. She... I mean, she had to be looking at Naomi going, are you kidding me? You're going to set me free? You want me to go? You care more about me than yourself? This is awesome. So then when she gets the chance, what does she do? There's the domino, right? Naomi's the domino. And her love produces what? Life. And Ruth gets hit by that type of love. And what does she give? The same type of love. Naomi says, you know what? No, Ruth, I want you. Because I want to be loved by that. The other thing she said was this, and I want your God. I want your God. (laughs) Again, why in the world would Ruth want Naomi's God? Because what is Naomi doing right now about her God? She's complaining. She goes, this God is against me. And Ruth is like, yeah, that's the God I want right there. (laughs) Give me the God that's against me. Say, wait a second. Why in the world would she want to say your people, my people, your God, the one that you're complaining about, the one who you are, that you're saying is against you, I want that God. And again, you guys, you know why I think it is? Because I think she was looking at Naomi and going, if your God produces that type of love, I want that God. I want that God. See, one of the things that was very clear about the God of the Israelites, he was very exclusive. And we don't like exclusive either today, right? God is always been very exclusive. He always says, there is one God, there is only one way, and it's mine. But here's what's crazy. What's the way? What's the way? It's love. See, the craziest thing is, you have this exclusive God who loves who? Everybody. He loves everybody. So I think Ruth is going and she's sitting there, wait, I could go back to my God where they're like killing babies and stuff. Or I could go to your God. And if your God produces this type of love, because there's no reason, Naomi, you should have loved me like that. And you do. 
If your God can produce that type of non-exclusive love, it's so crazy. You guys, the God we serve is exclusive. He says, I am God, and there's only one way. And here's the way. Love everybody. (laughs) Be non-exclusive in your love. That's how people find God. See, that was God when we're going to get a kid. He says, I'm going to send Jesus Christ in the world. You know why? Because the world hates me. Because the world doesn't want to follow me. Because the world wants to do whatever it's right in their own eyes. Oh, this is great. They want nothing to do with me. Perfect time. I'm going to love you. That is this God. And Ruth looks at that and goes, if that can happen, I'm in. I'm in. I want your people. I want your God. There was a conversion that happened right in that moment. Why? Because Ruth got loved. You guys, love puts life into motion. And here's what's crazy, man. You get to walk out of here today and love your wife like that. Love your husband like that. Love your cranking, whining kids like that. Love your boss like that. Love the coworker who's always trumping you and trying to get above you like that. You might, I'm telling you, you will change the very atmosphere of your workplace. You will change the venue of your home. You guys, we could change even right here at K2. You come into this church, and all you can think about is what? I can't wait to see who it is that's here today that I get to love. That's why I'm here at church. Woo! Can't wait to see who God's going to help me run into that I get to love. That's God. It's powerful. It changes the world. It puts life into motion. So the story goes on, and they actually end up going back, and they run into this guy named Boaz. He's the third guy. What a great guy. Man, I'd love to be like Boaz. So Naomi tells Ruth, it's like, hey, why don't you go out and go to the fields and see if you can get us some some grain and take care of some food for us. So Ruth goes out and and then the Bible says, it just so happened that she ran into Boaz's field. Boaz shows up. He's awesome. He's like, hey, Lord bless you to all all of his workers. Again, remember, this is the time of the judges. And they're all at back and yell, hey, Lord bless you too. And then he goes out, who's that? Well, that's Ruth. That's that Moabite woman that came back with Naomi. Oh, and here's what's crazy. Is, 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 uh, is Boaz goes, I've heard of her. So, I've heard of her. Everybody knew about Ruth in the town. She rocked in her love. So he goes to Ruth and now Boaz shows love. And he says, hey, yeah, you work in this field. I'll make sure my men don't touch you. Again, just showing that in that culture, men touched the women that they worked with. They abused them. Not my men. He goes, they won't touch you. And then he tells his men, you make sure that she gets to glean all the grain that she wants. In fact, you guys throw some extra stalks out for her. Invites her to drink, invites her to have dinner. While she's at dinner, he pours more grain in. I mean, Ruth comes back to Naomi, and Naomi's like, whoa, my God, what field did you go to? And Ruth is like, this dude named Boaz. And Naomi goes, Boaz? He's one of our last kinsman redeemers. The new NIV calls it a guardian redeemer. I can't get into all of what that means, you guys. But basically, in that culture, when Elimelech and Naomi left, they sold their land. They didn't have any land. She comes back. She doesn't have a husband. She has no land. It's all about having land. So you have stuff and and crops and all that kind of stuff. So what a kinsman redeemer could do is they had to be somebody who's related to you, and they had, to, they had the right to buy your property back. And if they went to the guy who owned your property and said, I want to buy that back, the guy had to sell it to you. 
And so what happens is, Naomi goes to, Bo, uh, to Ruth and she says, hey, this is the guy who could help us. This is the guy who could become our guardian. So what I want you to do is I want you to propose marriage to him. And Ruth says, I'll do whatever you want me to do. It's unbelievable. It's all in here. Trust me. Uh, I'll, do, I'll do whatever you want me to do. So she does this really funky cultural proposal that you'd read and go, what? But, um, but it's a proposal of marriage to Boaz. She actually comes in at night and lays at his feet. And then Boaz says this, the Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. Isn't that great? <laughs> you didn't go after the young stud. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. And all the people of my town know you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of your family, there is another who's more closely related than I. So stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. I love this guy. He's blown away. Some young woman is laying at his feet saying, will you marry me? He's like, are you kidding me? Wow. Well, here's the deal. I am the guardian redeemer, but instead of just jumping at the chance, what's he do? There's another guy. So humble. If this guy wants to do it, then he should do it. That's how it works. He so does the right thing. So the next morning he gets up and he finds this other guardian redeemer, comes up to him and says, hey, listen, I, I want to redeem this land, but you, you're the guy who gets to do it. And so the guy goes, all right, I'll do it. And then he says, well, okay, well, if you do it, then you have to marry the Moabite woman, Ruth. And here's what the guy says in verse 6 of chapter 4. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger what? My own estate. You redeem it yourself. I can't do it. <laughs> hey, is there anything in this for me? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, okay, so if I, if I purchase this thing, I got to give up a ton of money and buy this land. Then I got to marry this foreign woman. And uh, okay, let me, oh, actually, you know what? This, this probably ain't going to work. Because it might endanger my own estate. Do you guys see the difference between Naomi and Ruth and Boaz and this guy? Naomi, it's not about me. I'll be completely alone. Ruth, go. Ruth, it's not about me. Naomi, there's no way I'm going to leave you. Your God will be my God. Your people, are, I am yours. Boaz, you know what? It's not about me. I'll pay the price. I'll marry the Moabite woman. Or, and, and, and all three of those people, when they love like that, it puts life into motion. And I read that, you guys, and I just thought, God, I just want to swear sometimes do you know how to get so frustrated with yourself? I mean, how many times do I have a chance to love, to think about somebody more than myself, and to bring life into this world and life into that person? But I got my, you know, I, don't, I, I got my time. I got my plans. Got my pleasure. Got my opinions. You guys all have your stuff too? You guys have those things? And I'm telling you, here's what happens. When you are concerned about your estate and your stuff, no love, no motion. No love, no motion. 
no life. And I, I, you know what? That's why I love the Deuteronomy passage. This isn't new. It's not like, oh my gosh, here's what's new. Here's what can be new though today. Could we just wake up today? I just think God just wants to wake us up today and go, don't forget. Be kind to the person at Costco who cut in front of you at the line. (laughs) Change their day. Change their day. I remember waitresses, drive me crazy. I love you, but serve me. (laughs) It's not that hard. Just serve me, right? And I'll I'll never forget, Susan and I were at a restaurant. A guy did a great job on our anniversary. I said, man, dude, thank you so much. You, You just made our whole night. It was awesome. And he said, no, thank you. He goes, what you don't realize is the people at the table totally affect us as servers. You never know what kind of day they've had, right? And who the jerk was at the table right before you were a jerk. <laughs> um, who are you going to love? It will bring life. And we just forget. I had this happen to me this week, you guys. I had two encounters this week, one face-to-face and one on the phone. I got done with those guys. And I just felt like I can, I can make it. I was so encouraged you know, that's what's so cool when you run into people like that. You come home and then Susie and the kids are glad I'm coming home. And then I had other encounters this week where it's like, whew, yeah, you're right. I totally screwed up. You know, and then you get the, hmm. And then you go home and Susie and the kids aren't so glad you're coming home. See, it's a, it's a domino. You're a domino. And if you'll give love, It'll put life into motion. Now, here's what's crazy, you guys. At the very end of the book, it gives a genealogy. And the genealogy goes like this. Boaz was the father of Obed, because he and Ruth had a baby. And Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. You guys know who David was? I love my namesake. He's a wild man the greatest king of Israel, the one that God said he's a man after God's own heart. And you know what's so cool about David? You ever read Matthew? You know that, you know that first chapter you all skip <laughs> so you can get to the good stuff? In the genealogy of Matthew, you go from Boaz to Obed to Jesse to David and you keep going down and who ends up being in the line? Jesus. Are you kidding me? I had no idea that my acts of love would bring us together with Boaz who would create a baby. I had no idea that that little domino was going to push a car and make a piano fall down. I had no idea. You guys, it's, you know why Ruth is in the Bible? It's just crazy. It's like, why is this woman being stopped, talked about 2,500 years later? Because she was pointing us to Jesus. She was pointing us to Jesus so that you and I would understand the greatest domino of all. The greatest domino that if you will receive its impact will literally change your life forever. God came and he sent Jesus Christ into this world to set us free from this sin, this thing inside of us that says, what about my own estate? 
And Jesus just wants to go, I'm getting rid of that crap. And I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to fill you with my spirit. I'm going to pour my love into your heart. So that now you can actually think about your spouse and your kids and your coworkers and your church more than you think about yourself. And Jesus Christ, he changed the world. That was a domino. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another. Because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever doesn't love doesn't know God because God's love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. I love that, you guys. Let us love one another. Why? Because love comes from God. Love is a domino from God. Absolute, perfect, unconditional love for every one of you in this room. Every one of you. Every person on this planet Jesus has said, I love you. I love you. I know you don't want me. I love you. It's a perfect time for me to let you know how much I love you because then you'll know it's never about you. It's never about how good you are or what you do for me. It's just who you are because I created you. I love you. And if you'll let me touch your life with my love, love comes from God. And now you have something that you can now give to the rest of the world. goes on to say this. This is real love, you guys. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin, to take away the meism, to take away the rebellion from God. The one that says, no, I'm going to walk in my own ways, not your ways. Life or death, prosperity or disaster. You know, I'm going to get rid of that crap that makes you go into disaster so you can follow me. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. So what do we do? What are you going to do today? Thank you. I wasn't expecting an answer. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Wait, now let me, wait, you know, I need to study this a little bit more. I need to pray. No, you don't. <laughs> this isn't hard. It's not hard to understand. Go out here today and think about somebody more than yourself. And I've already put this stuff. Start with your family, you guys. Just start with your family. Go home today and quit thinking about yourself more than you do your family. Do it today. Pick a thing today. How many of you will write today? Because it's yours because they're sitting next to you. Good accountability. How many of you today are literally going to go home and somehow, right? Okay, Suze, let's figure this out. Today, how are we? How many of you will will say today, I'm going to go out and actually put life into my family today, right now? How many of you will do that today? All right, cool. Do it. You don't have to have anything else. Just do it, okay? Here's the next. I just think about K2. Right here in this church, there's a great verse in Galatians 6. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So he's saying love everybody, but especially love the people right in here. So when when you sit there and you say, man, I go to K2. Really? How do you love the people at K2? How are you giving yourself away? How do you serve? How do you come here on a Sunday morning and go, man, I'm not even here today for myself. If you're a follower of Christ and he's poured his love inside of you, then you come here and you go, man, I can't wait to see who I get to love today. I mean, that's what we should, we should be driving in going, okay, God, help me to see. Who is it you want me to pour in today? 
Who I get to love today. You know, when we meet together here, you guys, every one of us should be hit by a domino of love. Every one of us. Not from here on stage. In the lobby, in the children's area, in the greeting. Boom! We should be hit in the parking lot. And we go, dude, I am so glad I went to church today. What was the message about? I don't even know. <laughs> but somebody loved me in the parking lot. It was awesome. Let's love each other. Go to work tomorrow. Go to work tomorrow. And go in there not thinking about yourself. Go in there. And think about other people. Sacrifice yourself. Put life into your workplace. You guys, what will happen is God will start getting glory. It will be unbelievable. And we're going to do it in our community too. Right down August 25th, man. We're going to go out and we're going to serve our community as a church. And we're just going to love. It's going to be a great day. Second thing, here's what we do. Is just go love. Now here's, just real quick, here's the second thing. Confess when you're not in motion. Just confess when you're not in motion. You know, come, I, this has been the hardest week because you study this stuff, so it's right in your face. How many times I've just had to go, oh, God, I'm just missing the chance. And when you miss the chance, as soon as you realize, I'm thinking more about my own estate and I'm not putting life into this relationship, then just confess that to God. Because if you'll be honest with God about your sin, that's called sin, is when you don't love. There's no greater sin. Confess it to God. And let him forgive you, and he will completely forgive you. And get up and just go do it. Repent, confess, turn around, and go do it. And the last thing, you guys, is this. And this, this is the most important thing, but you got to let God's love put you in motion. you got to let God's love put you in motion. That's why you worship today. That's why we're here today. It's why you go to your Life Together group. It's why you open up the scriptures every morning. It's why you give God every chance that he can to love on you. Because I'm telling you this, man, when I'm not loving, my only hope is to go back to God and say, God, pour your love into my heart. For me to go back to God and remember how unbelievably sinful I am and how gracious he is towards me. I'm a mess. And he loves me. See, then you can go when other people are a mess and you can love them. So let God's love pour into you and put you into motion. Hey guys, if we do this, if you'll do this, you will, I will put life into motion and we'll change the world. It's not hard to understand. Love God, keep his commands, walk in his ways, change the world. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving me. I give you plenty of opportunity not to. And you just do. Lord, would you help every person in this room to understand your love? Would you give us the power to grasp the love of Christ? This love that surpasses knowledge a love that we can't even understand because it's so good and so true and so there all the time. Yes, you are a very exclusive God with a completely non-exclusive love. Would you help us, those of us, God, who have your love in our hearts, would you help us, please, God, help us to love that way. 
and help us to see every opportunity this afternoon with our families, the store, the restaurant, tomorrow at work, here at K2. God, make us a place. Please make us a place where we love like you love. Let me pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen.